Are you looking to grow revenues, increase profitability, or obtain financing? If so, you came to the right place. Running a business is all about leadership. How do you become a better leader? Learn from the successful entrepreneurs and business owners how to lead your organization more effectively. That's why we created Leadership Live at 805, Talking Small Business, to help you succeed with your host, Andrew Frazier, Business Growth Pro and CFO and founder of the Small Business Pro University. Every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern, we're joined by experienced entrepreneurs and business owners who share their secrets to success via live stream. Also, every Friday morning, we release a new podcast episode. Either way, you will learn about developing your business leadership skills from our roster of highly performing guest experts. Leadership Live is one of the many valuable resources provided through the Small Business Pro University, empowering business owners to learn, profit, and grow. Find out more at sbprou.com. Welcome back to Leadership Live at 805. I'm your host, Andrew Frazier, and really great to be chatting with you guys again this evening. Um, you know, definitely there's a lot of things going on in the business community and the business environment. Um, you know, one of the key things is staying current. So, you know, we try to bring you um, the latest and the best information and knowledge um, to help you be more successful with your business. Um, as I always say, you know, as an entrepreneur and business owner, your most important job is sales and marketing. So, you know, we do dedicate a lot of shows to that. And this is this is one. Um, we have a great guest, um, Joe Coey, and um, he's going to be talking about the fundamentals of successful digital marketing. And, you know, that's really where you need to be, um, no matter what business you have, no matter what location you're in, um, maybe you need to do it a little differently, but you definitely need to have a digital presence and understand how that can help you be more successful in business. So very excited to welcome Joe to the to today's show. Hey, Joe, how are you doing this evening? Hi, Andrew. Thank you. Um, appreciate that introduction. Okay. No, definitely. And um Appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to to chat with us tonight, and um, very look look forward to you know sharing great things so that the audience is going to learn. But also, you know, I always learn some th some things here as well. So I'm um, definitely looking forward to to chatting with you this evening. Wonderful, likewise. Excellent. So you know, before we get started, um, if you could take a few minutes, um, talk a little bit about you know your journey, you know, you, you come to a place where you're an expert in digital marketing, but you haven't been an expert at digital marketing all your life. So how did you come to where you are and what are some of the key learnings and milestones that, that you have encountered? Sure. Uh, you bet. So I'll, I'll start from sales X and I'll go backwards to the beginning. Uh, I started SalesX back in 2010, so for the past 13 years, we've been doing digital advertising uh, and digital marketing. Prior to that, I worked in software sales for 10 years. Uh, I started at Oracle Corporation and various other software companies uh, with a short stint in the mortgage industry. And prior to that, I was doing engineering in the high-tech hardware in Silicon Valley. Before that, I uh, was... I always liked working with my hands, so I wasn't didn't really see any value as a, as a young man. I didn't see that much value of getting an education. And my stepdad at the time, um, he said, hey, you know, why don't you study? Uh, there's this program at San Jose State called Industrial Technology, and it's, it's kind of applied engineering. And there's you get to work with your hands and it's also an engineering degree. So you might you might like it. So I went and I, I, I loved it, actually. So I ended up getting a bachelor's degree in industrial technology, getting an engineering job. 
And then I was working as an engineer for a few years and the, um, I ended up in kind of a customer satisfaction department and, uh, the clients were calling and saying, Hey, this product that your salespeople sold us, it doesn't have this functionality that they, they say it has. So I would, uh, I remember one time I went over to the sales building. This is like an $800 million company called Novellus at the time it's, it's been, uh, bought by another company since then, but I went over there and the building was empty and I talked to the admin there. I said, where's everybody? And they said, oh, everybody, they, they hit their quotas, their sales quotas. So they're out in president's club in Hawaii uh, and they're having fun. So at that point I was like, oh, okay, I see. They sold something that doesn't even exist. They hit their quota and they're in Hawaii and I'm stuck kind of holding the bag. I, I at the time I was young, you know, and I'm like, I need to be on that side. I need to be in Hawaii. So I went back to school. I got my MBA and I leveraged that to get a job in sales. So I did sales for those 10 years. Uh, and then in 2010, I started SalesX with the objective of helping other companies set up their sales teams and their sales channels and their sales collateral pipeline messaging funnel, all of it. And uh, the first handful of clients, this is back again, this is back in 2010, they all, they were suffering from poor sales because they really had a poor digital presence. They didn't have uh, an up-to-date website. Their websites were old, clunky, didn't work well, didn't really show up in search engines. So I was like, ah, oh, they all need websites. Okay, so I'll figure out how to build websites. I'll build your website. So I learned how to do WordPress and I started building these WordPress sites for these clients. Then they needed to show up in search results. So I was like, ah, okay, I'll learn how to do SEO. And Google has a, a published document called a Google search engine optimization starter guide. And basically it's like 30 pages. It tells you what to do, uh, how to SEO a, a website. So. I started doing SEO on these websites and then they needed paid ads. So I was like, okay, I'll learn how to do Google ads. And I started doing Google ads. Next thing you know, a year into SalesX, we went from a sales consulting company to a kind of a digital advertising agency. And since then we, we concentrated on digital advertising. We started scaling the digital advertising side with, you know, becoming a, a premier Google partner. We've won the US search awards for um, uh, best agency three times and five times overall. So, um, you know, with knock on wood, with a little bit of uh, good luck and some um, uh, good connections along the way in, in networks, we've been able to um, carve a niche for our agency and, and we do some expert work. So that's where we are today. And in fact, today was uh, Google Marketing Live where the big next big huge shift in this industry is happening. This industry has been like shifting every, every six months, but now like a giant shift is happening. Everyone's heard about it. It's the AI shift. So we'll probably get into that a little bit today as well. Okay. Excellent, excellent. So, yeah, no, definitely. Your it seems like your journey um, was through really the digital marketing age because um, you you know you started early on and you sort of just grew um, as the technologies changed and evolved. So that must have been pretty exciting just seeing how things, and if you look back to when you started, how things were compared to now. Exactly. From I started right when the dot-com boom was starting to take shape in, in the late 90s, mm -hmm. uh, mid-90s to late 90s, and then switched over to sales in 2000, and then 10 years and, and so on. But yeah, I've been, I've been watching this digital kind of landscape shape for the past 25 years for sure 28 years okay great and and you know we have a similar background in terms of you know studying engineering undergrad and seeing that you know actually it makes more sense to be in business 
Um, so, um, you know, definitely, um, made that shift as well and got my MBA. So, um, you know, definitely as you evolve and as you learn, um, and also it depends on what you like to do. Um, you know, I love solving problems, but, you know, business problems are are exciting because it's shorter term and you get to see the results and, um, solve more problems. So. Um, cool. So no, you definitely look forward to chatting about a whole bunch of great stuff with you, um, in, including AI. We had a we had a session on ChatGBT about mm-hmm. a month ago, and um, so we we can continue on some of the things we talked about there as well. So, but before we do that, let me just take a minute out. Um, we run these this. Um, event or these shows through the Small Business Pro University. So let's just take a minute to see what the Small Business Pro University is. And, you know, I'll be back talking small business with Joe Cody. Do you own your business or does it own you? Is your business growing and are you making enough money? As a business owner, there are so many things you need to know to become more successful. Hello. My name is Andrew Frazier, the Business Growth Pro and CFO. I created the Small Business Pro University for you. Small Business Pro University has self-paced, dynamic, multimedia learning experiences created by more than 20 instructors who are business owners just like you. Small Business Pro University will empower you to become a masterpreneur by learning the secrets to creating a successful enterprise to go from working in your business to working on your business. Take advantage of our strategic coaching program or just simply choose the courses that you need. At www.sbprou.com, we will empower you to thrive and not just survive and make more money in any business environment. Okay, welcome back to Leadership Live at 805, talking small business with Joe. Joe, so, so you you know you, you're an expert in the digital marketing space, and um, you know through your your path, you know the only constant is change, um, and you know with your clients, um, you know how do you help them be able to deal with the change um, in you know, because things are moving really fast. And and what would you recommend for other entrepreneurs and business owners to to do to really um, be able to evolve the way they need to? Well, whether it's business, whether it's marketing, advertising, digital, um, non-digital, whatever it is, there's only one thing you can do about change, and that's to embrace it. Uh, the nature of everything, as the Buddhists like to point out, is impermanence. That's the only certainty in life, is that it's impermanent. So um, change is something we have to embrace. And the sooner we come to that realization, the faster we're going to be able to flow with it. Excellent. So, you know, definitely getting, getting used to the change. Um, you know, many entrepreneurs and business owners are way behind the curve. Um, you know, as a business, small business owner, you got so many things you're doing. Sometimes it's hard to keep up. Um, what does every business owner need to to know about digital marketing? Yeah, the the beauty of the curve uh, in this space is that you don't necessarily need to run the whole kind of thing to catch up. You could just skip. You could just stop where you are and then jump to the front and just take off from there. Um, the the thing that all the business owners need to be uh, cognizant of is the the nature of mobile and video, and the nature of the traffic that is out there on the web and what people are searching for, how people are behaving, uh, how they're doing a lot of comparison shopping. Uh, Everyone has become their own little research guru 
right? So any decision they want to make, they want to research it and research it and research it before they decide. And it's fun for them. And why wouldn't why wouldn't they? Right? If you can if you have access to the information and you can research and find out the best answers, why not? That that should be the way you do it. But for uh, in terms of the small business owners, they uh, need to keep in mind that look, a lot of that research is happening obviously online and through reviews, okay, and through mobile devices and through video. So if you have the ability to hit those, let's say, hit those three things, that's why if you're behind the curve, you don't need to go start from the beginning and build it all out from the beginning. You could just go straight to those three things. Have something that's extremely mobile friendly. It's fast loading, fast. It's very uh, readable in a mobile environment. And um, there's videos associated with it. So you have quick explainers. There's maybe product review videos. There's a variety of videos that you can post in various channels. And um, then there is also enablement for people to leave you reviews. So a lot of a lot of us we don't really think about reviews. People want to leave a review, fine. If they don't, so be it. But reviews make a big difference for for small businesses. So I have a I have a friend of mine which at 2009 when I left my last corporate job I went to Hawaii to learn how to surf. And I met this fellow, Kimo, Kimo Chang, he's, he's a surf instructor out there. And I called him on Christmas day. Um, he had this ad on Craigslist, which was written in all caps. And it was a very enthusiastic ad. And it said, I'll teach anyone to surf anywhere, anytime, any day. And it was Christmas day. So I called him up. I'm like, hey, did you write this ad? He's like, yeah. He's like, why is it in all caps? I'm like, wow, I just want to shout it out. You know, people make sure people read it. I'm like, okay. And you wrote anytime, anywhere? He's like, yeah. And I said, and you wrote any day? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, today's any day, right? <laughs> There's this silence on the phone. He's like, yeah, today's any day. I'm like, okay, man, I need, I need a private lesson. So anyway, we became really good friends. He came over. He was going out with his vanguard friend now wife to they were going to just surf by themselves and they're like who's this guy let me go get him so they went they came out they brought an extra surfboard they brought the wets you know the the wetsuit and the booties all the stuff that we needed and uh we became friends so he came back we we created when i came back and started selzix he's like i need a website so i created hawaiisurfguru.com for him and Kimo became basically the Hawaii surf guru. He was already a Hawaii surf guru, but through that website, he became extremely well known. Then eventually we created a way for him to get reviews. So when he gets people on the beach, gives them a lesson, gets them back, they're nice and happy, endorphins pumping. As soon as they leave, he sends them a quick text with a short link that says, hey, you like the Aloha, give me a review. And now he has something like four, five hundred, five, five star reviews. So when someone's looking for private surf lessons anywhere in Honolulu, he's the one that has all the reviews, right? Other people, they might have 20, 30, 40 reviews, which seems like a lot. But he has like, I don't know how many he has now, but last time I checked, he had closer to 300 reviews, all five stars. So he has the website people go online they buy the stuff online pay for it online he gets a little ping that says ding he got another lesson he reaches out says meet me at the beach xyz time tomorrow they show up he has all the stuff they need and afterwards sends them a review boom another five star and the cycle continues so he loves it. He just he does a couple of shifts in the mornings. He has a little crew together. He, he and his wife have a little crew now. And you know, they go surf a couple hours every day and that's it. That's their uh, that's their business. And it's enabled because of the website, the ability to buy online, even though it's a service, it's a lesson. They can still buy online, check out, it's all paid for, show up. 
leave a review, boom. So, and then he has videos. So he has videos on there that shows this like, I don't know, eight, nine year old kid being pushed onto the wave and he's just riding that wave all the way to the shore. And you can hear his dad in the background saying, hey, Michael, you know, this and that. So it's really cool stuff. So people watch the video, they're like, oh, that could be me or that could be my son. And oh, let me see. Oh yeah, I could just buy it right here. Let me book a, book a lesson, boom. And I, I see the leads because I built that site for him and I got the URL back all those years back, 2010. So I, I still see the leads that come in. I mean, the, the sales that come in and it's people from all over the US. I mean, people are pre-buying the stuff ahead of time putting in the date that they want before they even show up to Hawaii, they've already paid for it. And he just takes care of it. And how do they know to do that? How do they know to pay five, $600 for a, you know, three pack lesson for when they're in Hawaii, because there's all those reviews that says Kimo's the man, he's the king of Aloha. You're going to have a blast and you're going to catch waves and you're going to love it. And he takes care of absolutely everything and no excuses. So all of that is enabled from the cycle of get there, watch the video, make the purchase, have the experience, leave the review. Okay. No, that's that's outstanding what you've been able to, to do for him. And, you know, one thing I always tell people is, you know, of course, your most important job is marketing and selling. But, you know, the better you market, the easier it is to sell. And if you get good enough at marketing, you don't have to sell anymore. Um, and basically, that that's what you've done for them, um, which is, is most entrepreneurs dream because most of them didn't start their business to market and sell. Um, so um, so that, that's that's outstanding. So. You know, you were talking about a few things that that are key and, um, you know, definitely having a presence is important. Um, but one thing that I, I like to definitely focus on is the research side, because most business owners sort of skip through that uh, much faster than they should. But that can be extremely valuable um, and save you a lot of time and make you more money. Um, so, you know, initially, you know, what type of research do you do for clients or should, should people thinking about doing or have, have done for them if they're um, looking to, do more you know be more successful at digital marketing right so you you can look at uh what's called keyword research and this is just a um kind of the basics of doing digital marketing is to see what is it that people are searching for and then fit your solution around those search terms so that people that are searching for those things find you. Um, an example of that is uh, at the time, this is back in, I don't know, 2002 or 2012 or 13, uh, back in the early days of SalesX, I was going to one of these like Silicon Valley plug and play tech centers where they had these um, VCs there and angel investors there, mainly angel investors and then attorneys and, you know, various business advisors they had gathered and the people that had the small companies there, they were renting offices there, they were giving pitch, they were giving their pitches. And there was this company uh, and they started out their presentation by saying, well, we, we had this presentation, we wanted to, um, come in and give a pitch and ask for some angel investment. But we've, we've done a shift um, and now we don't even need any money. We're, we think we're going to be able to bootstrap this project because we're seeing a lot of success. <laughs> and 
And then they started telling what their story was. And their story was that they were they had this company. I don't know if they're still around, but at the time it was called Zeusk, which is uh, which was an online dating app. And uh, it wasn't going to be an online dating app. It was going to be something else. And what happened is they started, they put it up and they put some Google ads and they saw that people are clicking through thinking that this is an online dating app. They're getting a lot of clicks for online dating. And so they're like, wait, let's, let's shift this around and see if that will catch on. And then they, they actually changed their business idea to online dating and Zwisk became a really successful. I don't, I don't, I don't probably, I should have followed up to see what's happening with them or if they're still around or if they're emerged or what happened. But at the time when I saw that presentation, they went from having an idea to changing that idea based on what they saw the demand was. And in fact, that's the SalesX story itself. That's why it's called SalesX and not marketing or X or advertising X. Because I thought in my head we were gonna do this sales consulting stuff, and we ended up doing basically digital advertising, right? And that's where the demand was. So we had to shift. We had to uh, shift our strategy to meet where the demand is. And the way that can happen is by doing the keyword research upfront. And keyword research is something that Google enables you to do if you have. Uh, a Google Ads account already running. So, and the Google Ads account is actually free to sign up for. Um, and so anyone can sign up for Google Ads. They could watch some videos, learn how to use it. And then they could use the tools inside there to do some keyword research and see where the interests are. Now, it might take some expertise. If they need help, we can help them, give them some. Okay, great. Uh, we can we can um, give them some tips, this and that. But basically, uh, for example, I, I was giving, uh, I was invited to this uh, podcast to give a talk and the audience, there were real estate agents. Okay, this was called Lab Code Agents. And... And I was like, huh, you know, the real estate industry is kind of taken over. The real estate industry is one of those industries that embraced the web really early on. So the verticals that are playing in that industry, they kind of own their market. It's really hard to break through. So I was like, well, let me do some keyword research and see what it's about. These guys, they're going to have agents as their audience. Let me see if I can, I can contribute. Even though I was in my head, I was thinking, you know, like Zillow and Redfin and those kinds of, you know, Realtor.com, those kinds of websites, they own that market. They absolutely just, they're all over it. So it's going to be hard to get anything out against those guys because they have the huge deep pockets. But once I did that keyword research, I found something extremely interesting to me, at least. I suppose if you're a nerdy enough, it's, it, might, it might seem interesting. And that was that while... Some of the, the, the keywords, the volumes are low and the cost per clicks are really, really high for some keywords such as a real estate agent near me or real estate agent San Jose or, or listing agent San Jose or selling agent San Jose or you know any kind of agent keywords. Those cost per clicks were really high. They were like 10, 12, 20 bucks even for a click. And the click volumes were really low. Only like 100, 200 people a month were searching for that stuff. Um, and But then I noticed something else. I saw that people searching for house for sale in San Jose or house for sale in Cupertino or in Mountain View or Sunnyvale or home for sale or apartment for sale or condo for sale. Those are actually much, much higher volume searches. And those clicks are very, very low cost per click. I'm like, how can that be? And then, of course, it dawned on me how it can be because, because those verticals are extremely strong, they, they're keeping the cost per clicks low because they're selling the leads at a fixed price. 
So they need to have that lead be profitable, which means they're not going to overpay for the clips. It's not like a one-man show where you can come in and just pay whatever. This is a company that's selling, at, let's say, at $50 a lead, and their cost per lead, it can't be more than $20. And so their cost per click, it can't be more than a dollar or $2 even, right? So that every 10 clicks will become a lead, and then they can sell it. So I thought, wow, that's actually, that can be a really good strategy for an independent agent to get in on that and say, oh, okay, the big wigs of the industry are keeping these prices low by not overbidding. That actually opens the door for me to get in there, not on the real estate agent near me clicks, but on a house for sale San Jose clicks and kind of get those low click prices and really come up as an expert in your own area. For example, have um, a digital download available on your website that says, you're looking for a house in the Bay Area, here's you know five things to look for and five things to avoid. And then allow people to download that for free without even asking for their information. And then once they download that, then you, you can re-advertise to them uh, which is called remarketing using Google remarketing tools, which will become then much, much more affordable. And remarketing is like seven X conversion rate as opposed to that first click information stuff. So it's a good strategy that I outlined in that other um, podcast and it came out of the keyword research. So yeah, the research you have to, in a way, if you're just starting out, you could reverse engineer your business. And if you're already established, you could reverse engineer the language of your offering. You could see what people are looking for and then back into it based on that research. Okay. No, that, 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 that makes sense. Um, you know, one thing I did with my business and, you know, probably and help other people do make sure they do if they're starting out is, um, you want to do the same thing for your business name, you know, because, you know, picking the right domain is kind of more important than your business's name. So, you know, Googling and making sure that, um, you know, the competition for that name um, isn't overwhelming and you can differentiate yourself so that um, people can find you because it, it's easy to get buried um, if you have a common name or common information. Um, so, yeah, you know, you, you talk about, you were talking about, you know, the key thing was figuring out things based on the analysis that you did. Um, and, you know, always important to, to do that. Um, Many business owners are, you know, and, and actually the, the third chapter of my first book is called, What is Your Greatest Fear? And I find that many times it's the fear of numbers and analysis. So, um, you know, we have an engineering background, so it's not a big deal for us. But for many business owners, you know, they're not it's unlikely that they're going to do it themselves. So, um, you know, as a result, they probably got to get help. Um, however, like everybody and their brother says they can help you market and sell more stuff. How do you figure out who to work with or what are some things that, um, you might use to determine, you know, who really knows what they're doing and can can help you and, and who sort of doesn't. Right. Well, um, in Google, there's, there's a saying, they say in God we trust, everyone else bring data. So um, in my case, the way that came because I was new, right? I came from engineering and sales and now it's doing websites and SEO and advertising. So I was basically new, but at the time I had this 
10 foot by 10 foot office. Um, maybe it was a little bigger, but I had a small office. It was just a desk, two chairs in front of it. And as you sat in those chairs, immediately to your left, there was a blank wall, just an empty wall. At the time, there was a website called, and, and it's still around. I think they were bought by LinkedIn, actually. They were called Linda, L-Y-N-D-A, Linda.com, that does online video training for these kinds of skills, digital skills. And I had gone through and I had watched, you know, course after course after course after course and then printed out kind of the course completion certificates and I had covered a whole wall from top to bottom it was like five wide 12 tall with courses that I had taken so as people sat there and they're like well what's your expertise I was like well looks like I took about eight courses on doing SEO what you know what's your expertise <laughs> so so, but that, that's, you know, that's for somebody that's just starting out for other people that are more established. If you're looking for solutions, uh, and you're assessing vendors, you probably want to see what are their accolades. For example, um, for Google ads, there's the uh, Google, uh, premier partners, which are only the top 3% of agencies because, um, someone says oh i know how to do google ads then it's like well do you have agency certification and even if they say yes that is a relatively low bar to cross you just need to pass kind of the tests uh that that google provides uh, and, and you can study it on google itself and then you have to have ten thousand dollars of spend on their management over a 90-day period which is actually extremely low um, if, if you run a couple of small accounts, you hit that number. So uh, in terms of Google advertising, $10,000 a quarter, it's, it's, it's an extremely low number. So that's why if someone, for example, wants to go after um, finding someone to help them with Google ads and the person they find they don't even have that low accolade, then for sure it's going to be the wrong person. Well, not for sure, but anything, anytime I say for sure, it's 96% sure because I, I figured the 80, 20 rule, the Pareto principle, mm -hmm. uh, and you multiply that by 80, 20 again. So you take the 20% and you take 20% of that, which is 4%. And so I say 96, four, so if they haven't even hit the low bar, then there's a 96% chance they're not the right people for you. And if they have hit the low bar, I would still say they're still in that 96% chance that they're not the right people because there's this higher bar, which means that they've, created, they've been able to achieve these accolades. And the same thing goes with other things. Like if they, don't, if they can't prove what they've done has worked for others, then you're the guinea pig. So just be on the lookout for that. Okay. And um, when you're looking for working with someone, what, what are some of the first things they should ask you? You know, what are some of the first things you ask people who may want to work with you? Uh, or what do they ask you? And what types of things do you start with when you're working with someone? Yeah, so... The, the thing about the thing about sales in general and digital advertising specifically is that especially in digital advertising there are a lot of things that you can measure right this is these, these pictures behind me every one of those little sections there's acronyms associated with the measurements um, of, of those those phenomena and there's one thing that I, I always encourage people to think about, which is just kind of this, the gold, you know, in the, in the bank account, which is where the measurement that you want to really measure is, did it add to my bank balance or did it subtract from it? That's kind of the one metric 
that I would encourage people to try and reverse engineer. So it's a tough metric to reverse engineer, but you know, if you're starting your own business or you're a small business, the tough things are the things that you should be excited about. Because if it was easy, everybody could do it and then you would have no job. So find the toughest thing and then tackle that. And in this case, that one metric is called cost per closed lead. So if you're generating leads, you want to track those leads and then calculate the cost of what, what it took to actually close one lead versus what uh, your service costs. So for example, if you have a service that's, let's say it's a thousand dollars a month and you expect the customer to stay with you at least one year minimum, maybe they stay six months, maybe stay five years, but a good unit of measure is one year. So let's, let's just say 10 grand is the lifetime value of one customer just for the sake of keeping it, keeping the numbers simple. Well, then you need to figure out what's your cost per closed lead. If your cost per closed lead is eight grand, that means you had to keep that customer for at least a whole year, get the 10,000 for you to even make the 20% margin on it. So that's not a good cost per closed lead. You want the cost per closed lead to hopefully pay for itself within the first month. So let's say if it's, if you're charging somebody, you know, $800 a month, $900 a month. So that's, that's going to, after one year, it's going to be $10,000 lifetime value. Let's say they, on average, they stay one year and that's $10,000. Well, if your cost per closed lead is somewhere in the three to five, $700, $800, even $900, which means after you get paid for the first month, you've breaking, broken even, and then after that, you're starting to make profits, then that's a good number. But if your cost per closed leads going through the, the roof, you're getting all these leads and you're like, yeah, I got leads, I got leads. But then the leads aren't closing, or if they're closing, they're churning, or if they're not churning, they're, uh, the, the service price is, not high enough to cover them, then you're you're looking at the right wrong metrics. So I encourage people to always reverse engineer and say, all right, what am I selling? What's the lifetime value of a client gonna be? And then what's a good cost per closed lead that I should have? And then based on that, back calculate what's a good cost per lead that I should have. And then from there you can back calculate what's a good cost per click because there are all there are like conversion ratios at every one of these junctions i need you know i need to show my ads a hundred times to get five clicks i need to get 20 clicks to get one lead i need to get five leads to get one deal and then from every five deals that i get two of them make it one year you're figuring out all those numbers that you said people don't like to figure out and you're back calculating it all. And now you're saying, okay, my cost per closed lead has to be 180 bucks or less. If it's mm -hmm. more than 180, I don't want it. I don't, I don't care if you can give me a million of them. It's not going to pan out mm -hmm. so, or whatever it might be, it might be $18. You know, if it's e-commerce, then um, like average order value might be $35 on an e-commerce. Like we have a client, their average order value is $35, but they, they sell about $400,000 worth of stuff every month. Right. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're getting, you know, 10,000 orders. So, um, or, or a thousand orders. So mm, no, 10,000 orders. Yeah. So, for that, their, their cost per conversion, it cannot be more than one sixth or one fifth. So 20% of that. So if you have 
okay 34 enter 20 percent six dollars and 80 cents that's all you can afford to pay for one conversion if it goes over that you're not making money you make you ship 10,000 packages okay but you didn't make money because you didn't do that math mm -hmm. so um 34 divided. yeah 3000 so okay so yeah no i mean definitely you know i, I really like how you sort of should start with your end goal in mind and that's getting money in your account um you know a lot of times marketing you know they focus on getting clicks or getting you on the first page of google um and all that's well and good but that shouldn't be the overall goal of what you're spending um and it's important to understand that you know every dollar you spend is an investment so you need to know what type of return that you should be getting and right. you know if you spend a thousand dollars and get a thousand dollars in sales you're losing a lot of money um if you spend a thousand dollars and you spend you you get two thousand dollars you might be breaking even and so you really want to I, I always say you should really be looking to get at least 4x what you spend in marketing and preferably more and and that's sort of along the lines of, of what what you're saying as well so definitely good to hear that because a lot of people don't really think in terms of that and as a result they tend to not get the results that they expected to in their bank account yeah, there's there's a nuance there um, that's maybe worth mentioning or maybe too far into the weeds, um, and the nuance is that if you have if you're selling a product where there's a lot of follow-on sales, if you're selling a product that's one and done, that's one thing. Okay, you just sold one product, it's over. People moved on, they got what they wanted and they're not buying anything else. Then what you're saying or what I was saying earlier is definitely, you know, holds a lot of water. Okay. But sometimes people will keep buying stuff over and over and over and over again. Right. Mm -hmm. It could be, um, I have a client of mine there in the tea business and before they became my client, they've been my, our clients for six, seven years. And before they became our client, my mom was buying their teas uh, for like 20 years before that. So recently I, I was at my mom's house and I opened their cupboard and I saw one of their boxes from a long time ago and I took a picture, sent it to him and it's like, oh, that's the classic look. So that's, that's a client that keeps buying over 30 years. She's been buying from that same company for that client. It might be okay. Get one of those clients and just break even for the money that you paid. Okay. Right? Because you know that that client's going to continue to buy over time. Okay? And then you'll make your money on it. So that, in, in our industry, that's called brand, where someone knows your brand. Mm -hmm. They're coming back because they're brand um, loyal versus non-brand. Non-brand is someone that doesn't know you from Adam. They're looking for a general item in which you that that you sell, but your your brand they don't know. So the non-brand typically you're not going to make four, five, six x return on investment on a non-brand because those are generic keywords that everybody's bidding on. The idea is to get people on the non-brand get them in and then keep selling them over time. And then they become brand loyalists. And then over time, your return on investment on the brand becomes 18, 19, 20, 30 X, mm -hmm. which means you can afford 
you have 30x return on, on, on investment on the brand, you can afford to get 1x return on investment on the non-brand and build the top of your funnel. Because as the funnel is coming down, oh, I'm trying to confuse about where the camera is. As the funnel is coming down, the top stuff is not kind of the top of this funnel. They're not really buying stuff. As they come down the funnel, they start to buy and buy and buy. As they come out of the bottom of the funnel, they're buying stuff. So sometimes to get stuff to the top of the funnel, you just have to be convinced with break even. That's why that's not the ultimate measure. The ultimate measure is the cost per closed lead, which is at the end of the day, as long as you're making money and not losing money, you're good. You could break even for the top of the funnel stuff and make a killing for the brand stuff. And then when you mash them all together, your return on investment is 6x. But you made 30x return on investment on the brand stuff and you made 1x return on investment or break even on the non-brand stuff. And when you mash them together, overall, it became a 6x return on investment. Or yeah. say in, in our industry, we say return on ad spend because return on investment has to take into consideration cost of goods sold and all the other stuff. But return on ad spend is just strictly how much did I spend and how much do they sell? Mm -hmm. So they call that ROAS instead of ROI. Okay. Um, but you, you can't really do that or figure it out without numbers and analysis. And I'm sure you're looking at it daily, weekly, or monthly. Um, you got to look at the numbers because, you know, if there's a, a negative trend or a positive trend, you need to pick it up sooner rather than later. Mm -hmm. um, so it's something, you know, that pretty much needs to be actively managed either by the business owner or by their, their marketing team. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. So, you know, I think that, you know, you're, you're sharing some great stuff. Um, you know, I think, Definitely on the um, analysis and you know understanding what some of the key things you need to take into account if you're going to sell. The um, well, question on the other side, um, you know, I've been told that you know in this day and age you really need to be a media company. What's your perspective on that, and what would that mean to you? Well, I think when you when I hear that, um, I'm I'm imagining that people are talking about all the different social medias that are out there, whether it's Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, um, and variety of other ones. I'm thinking that that's what they're thinking, and. To some degree, it's true, but some items, they're not, people, they, they don't go on Instagram for that kind of stuff. So social media is, in my opinion, is like a passive, um, it's a passive channel where you're doing stuff and then you see something and you're like, oh, I like that. Let me take a look at that or let me dig into that. But then there's this active channel where people are like, oh, I need this. Let me go find it. And normally they don't do that. If I need something and I want to go find it, I'm not doing that in Instagram or Facebook, typically. I'm mm -hmm. doing it in like Google search or in Bing, you know, whatever it might be. Um, yeah. Right. So the, the idea is that for some things, social is absolutely necessary okay but for other things um depending on what the client wants social may not work okay well thinking more just that you know in terms of um media in terms of video 
using media, not necessarily doing every type of media or social media. Um, I think you talked about video being important, but you know, at least probably that, you know, you need to be doing something on the digital media front. For sure. (laughs) sure. (laughs) So you can't. And even, even what we're doing right now, this is video, right? Right. It's going to go online and it's going to act as video. So Mm -hmm. video is huge. Um, There's a lot of consumption of video that's happening in every conceivable uh, medium, whether it's a cell phone, whether it's desktop, whether it's laptop, iPad, you know, uh, tablet, or whether it's a smart TV. There's a lot of stuff happening on smart TVs. Even on my own home, at my home, I live in Silicon Valley. Um, I often see the ads for a local, like a Chinese dim sum place, mm-hmm. right? They're like, oh, we're here in Cupertino and we're, we have fresh dim sum. We make it every day. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. And I've actually gone over there because of that ad. I would have never heard about it. But I look at this stuff and I'm like, oh, that looks pretty good. So I'll check it out. Mm-hmm. But that's that's the power of uh, video is that you could you could target you could micro target your own zip code. You could say, I want a five mile radius of this zip code where my location is, and play this video. If you go to Craigslist and say, like you know, looking for a video in the gig section. There are a thousand and one people that are help, you know, doing video production. Mm-hmm. Um, they love it. You know, people that the new generation, they're crazy about video. Heck, my kids are, you know, they're watching somebody play video games on <laughs> video. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I don't understand <laughs> what that. Are you doing? <laughs> but but it, it's almost sports to them. Like what sports right. to us was um that's kind of like sports to them um, right you know so it's yeah it's, it's but it, it seems kind of strange but um we're coming up on an hour but we do have a question so i wanted to just get it posted to you so in startup or new products should you be looking at the financial outcomes what are other metrics you might look at early yeah, so if you're trying to do branding, for example, you might look at impression share, right? You're looking at uh, a product category that you're selling. Uh, you, the, the impression share is something that um, you can look at in terms of how many people are seeing my product out there. Or maybe you're showing ads and you're saying how many people are seeing the ads for this product. The trouble with impression share is that it's one of those metrics that it doesn't add to the bank balance. So if you if you have if you're an early startup or if you have new product, kind of impression share is going to show you interest levels. Okay, it's not necessarily going to uh, add to your bank balance. Um, so if you are trying to break into a new category, okay, then you're looking at search volume data you're looking at search trends seasonality you can look at the competition you can see what the competition is doing what they're spending uh what their impression shares are for example what overlapping keywords they have with your keywords um there are there are those kinds of data that you can look at um if you're paying for clicks doing pay-per-click on a bootstrap on a new venture and you're not getting sales out of it, that's going to be a tough road to, to navigate because the pay-per-click costs, they can, they can go uh, skyrocket. One thing that I want to really point out before we, we run out um, okay. is that over the years with, uh, there's, a, there's a program by Google uh, it's called Google um, 
business. It's a uh, Google grants for nonprofits. Okay. So if you go Google, I think it's google.com slash grants. Um, and, uh, they pay up to $10,000. They cover your cost up to $10,000 worth of free clicks per month. Uh, it's tough. It's, it's easy to get accepted to that grant program. If you're a 501c3 nonprofit and, um, you're not a government, uh, a school or uh, healthcare, then you can probably get it. Okay. It's tough to actually land those clicks uh, because there are a lot of restrictions on getting those clicks. And my company, we offer a service called Givingly and we do that for you for free. We help you actually get the Google grants and we manage it for you for free. And to get uh, to that service page, you could go to givingly.org and that'll forward you to the SalesX page that has that information on there. But that's uh that's doing good for the sake of goodness itself. We don't charge anything, and we're helping a lot of nonprofits do that. And that's our way of giving back after 13 years and five awards. Um, this is our way to thank our constituents and the greater community. Okay, great. Um, you know, if we can, just real quick before we close out, you know, I like to ask our guests to just um, share three things that people should take away from what we talked about today, because we talked about a lot of stuff, but if they only take three things away from today, what should they be if they want to go and get started and do more from a digital marketing standpoint? Yeah, I would say the first thing is to look at tracking everything 360 from beginning all the way to the, to the other side, to closure, okay? So track everything as much as you can. The more you can track, the better off you're going to be. That's the first thing. The second thing is remember that you need to be extremely visible on mobile devices, okay? There are a lot of people searching stuff out there and the majority of them on, are on mobile. So for some stuff, like if you're selling this big expensive equipment, then, you know, desktop is okay. But for the most part, it's going to be uh, mobile. And then the third thing uh, um, is that keep in mind the value of video. So tracking mobile and video. And, and the bonus piece is that there's, uh, you know, uh, you can listen to the episode, but on chat GPT, but, uh, Google's, uh, own equivalent of that is called Bard, B-A-R-D. So it's bard.google.com and that's come out and it's going to be coming in full force. And the key is going to be who can better use that for, against their competitors. In fact, I asked Bard today to write me a joke um that i could tell a crowd of small business enthusiasts and it, it gave me a joke i can tell it to you it says why did the small business owner get a dog and the answer and and it's to have someone bark at the competition <laughs> so it's you know it's kind of cheesy but um bark wrote it so zero effort um, okay excellent so yeah i w wish we had more time to really dig into um ai because um it's going to change everything and really fast. It's already changing. Yeah. It's already changing a lot of things for, for a while now, but people don't know it just because they're not seeing the back end. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So excellent. Well, definitely appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. Um, this has been great. You shared some valuable knowledge and expertise and um, appreciate you having, having you as a guest. Appreciate you. Andrew. Thank you so much. Thanks for okay. the invite and uh, look forward to uh, um, watching your other episodes. Okay, great. And yeah, we'll have to have you back so we can continue this conversation. So I know you got to run, but, um, but definitely thank you. And, um, you know, I think that, um, you know, the audience got a lot out of this as well. So, um, so definitely. Thanks so much. Okay.
All right. Okay. You too. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, love having guests um, like Joe today and um, really looking forward to talking to Dr. Michelle as well. And, you know, as I always say, at the end of the day, the more that you know, the faster and more successfully your business will grow. Thank you for listening to Leadership Live at 805, Talking Small Business. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Leadership Live is one of the many valuable resources provided through the Small Business Pro University, empowering business owners to learn, profit, and grow. Find out more at sbprou.com.